Hi there. Welcome to another edition of Making Money with Ron Hebert, the financial coach, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. Ron, we've talked about a lot of different things on the show here, and especially in the last little while during the pandemic, we've been you know, trying to fly some flags and say, proceed with caution and trying to give people some suggestions on the best way to move forward. There's still so much uncertainty out there. We want to talk about really how to sort of solidify a plan to move forward here this time around. And when you look at the environment that we're in today, and we talked about this off air, uh, Gord, but, you know, people are pricing the economy to perfection. They're assuming that we're going to have a vaccine for COVID-19. They're assuming that the second wave is basically going to disappear and it's not going to have a big impact on society. They're assuming China and the West aren't going to get lock their horns in a trade war that is going to severely hurt the economy. Now, you've had the stock market going up, and it's back to all-time highs. It's reflecting a very Goldilocks outlook on things. And, you know, I'm not here to burst anyone's bubble. It might happen that we miraculously get out of a problem with China and that there is no second wave and that a vaccine is is uh, 75% or more effective. But what if some of these things don't happen? It's prudent when you've hit all-time highs to look at your portfolio and start pruning out some of the weak stuff because if it hasn't moved when markets are hitting new highs, there can be some problems with the company. And if things roll over, if some of these risks we talk about actually happen and we end up for a, a big downdraft in the stock market, it's these companies that aren't very good in the first place that are going to get hit the hardest. So what we've done in this show is we've taken 16 sectors and tried to give examples of companies that are considered the benchmark or standard in each one because these are the companies that are going to hold up the best. And so I'm calling it the best of the best. And this is our interpretation of which companies are the winners in each sector. You might disagree with some of my choices, but I'm sure that we're not going to be that far off on our opinions. So what we're trying to do here is just give you an idea of what some of the best stocks in each sector are. And over time, if you're a conservative investor, Start looking for names like this to put in your portfolio because during times where markets can really get volatile, these are going to be the companies that stand up the best. And if you've got a great name with low debt that has good margins, when things get tough, you're not going to panic and be tempted to run out and sell everything right at the bottom. So uh, all we're trying to do here is help you reinforce the portfolio you already have. And we should point out that this this isn't going to happen overnight. These are these are stocks that, as we've used the analogy before, you buy them and you put them in a drawer. You buy them and you put them in a drawer, and frankly, you accumulate them over time. Some of the names I have here are trading at their all-time highs, and so even if you take a starter position in them, you might want to wait and every time you get a significant pullback, this is just a very good list or equivalent list to start with where you add to these kind of high-quality names every time you get a major pullback. And those happen. It often 
often on a yearly basis where you're able to add to some of these great names. Okay, let's start the list off at the top. This is one, uh, no surprise here, when we look at railroads. they We need railroads. They keep countries moving, right? Yeah, Canadian National Railway has always been looked at as the benchmark of how to run an efficient railroad. And, you know, you take a look at executives in the business, and CNR has always been looked at is having some of the best executives in the industry. And so you might have an argument with that. You might say, well, CP is better. But CNR is essentially looked at as the benchmark. And so I'm including it as the best railroad. And the symbol for this is CNR, trades in Toronto. Okay. We often talk about utilities and their importance and their fundamental underlying need that we all have for them. There's something that you can rely on to be there. And Fortis is the name that I picked in this sector because it is the dividend champ in Canada. And what I mean by that is Fortis is the utility that has raised its dividend for over 40 years in a row. In other words, its dividend has gone up every year for the last 40 years. So Fortis is in Canada. Uh, Fortis also has a big presence in the U.S., so you're not only buying a utility that has exposure to the Maple Leaf, but also has a big footprint right across North America. So because of their consistency, their steady growth, and their ability to raise their dividend year after year, it's our number one pick as far as best utility, and the symbol is FTS Trades in Toronto. This next one won't come as any kind of a surprise to anybody who listens to Making Money regularly. We go to the banking sector, and, uh, well, you, you talked about this just a couple of episodes ago, Ron, when all the banks in the world were looked at. This one came out number one. Yeah, it, number one rank for safety is Royal Bank. And certainly, if you're looking at a, a financial institution that can bear the ebbs and flows of economies shrinking and expanding. Uh, Royal Bank has certainly been one to do that. And in times where, you know, you've got a lot of mortgage debt out there and a lot of corporate debt that could be defaulted on or affected if we go into a serious long-term recession, Royal Bank has always seemed to be one of the banks that has come out on top. And I would probably say a second pick here, as far as safety goes, would be the TD Bank. Okay, we talk about pipelines a lot, sometimes in a positive vein, sometimes in a sort of of semi-negative vein with everything that's going on with the environmental movement and stuff, but pipelines are in the ground already. Which one do you like there? Well, TransCanada has renamed itself TC Energy. They have big exposure in Canada, they have big exposure in the U.S., and most pipelines, what they're doing gradually because, you know, especially if we get a democratic government in the U.S., that uh, if possible, they could sweep the House, the Senate, and the presidency, there's going to be a lot more of a green agenda uh, than there has been in the past. Uh, over the short term, I think that will cr- increase demand for natural gas. Over the long term, these companies, they have enormous cash flow, and they're able to take that cash flow and they're able to reinvest it in green energy projects. So I think certainly that the pipeline industry over time is going to slowly 
fade into the distance? I would say that's a very good way of putting it. But right now, over if if and if that's the case over twenty or thirty years, if they're able to take two or three percent of their profits every year and reinvest it into other types of businesses, over time they're going to be able to transform themselves. And that's why I picked the pipelines because they're cheap, they have a good dividend, and they have the cash flow to transform themselves into something else that's a lot greener. Okay, something that's very pertinent to what we were talking about with the midst of a pandemic going on around us is healthcare. And, uh, well, there's one company here that sort of puts itself at the head of the pack, doesn't it? Well, Johnson & Johnson is looked at almost like a healthcare mutual fund gourd. Uh Certainly, they're into drugs. Uh, they're into apparatuses like joints, artificial joints. Um, they, they make things that... Uh, for cardiac arrest, uh, they have a, a large cardiac division. Uh, they're also in consumer products like uh, Johnson's baby oil. So they're very well represented right across the board. Uh, this company has increased their dividend almost 60 years in a row. And Johnson & Johnson is the only North American company right now that still has a AAA credit rating. So you've got safety, you've got growth, you've got dividend increase, and you've got a diversified footprint across the healthcare sector. Symbol there in New York is JNJ. Okay, insurance companies, and we've talked about this company before, holdings all over the place and very, very well run, Sun Life. Yeah, Sun Life I, is my number one pick. I think Great West Life is probably even a little higher quality, but Great West Life hasn't been able to generate a lot of growth over the last few years. So Sun Life is my choice for a combination of safety and growth. They're growing very rapidly across Asia as more and more people have the excess cash flow to be able to afford insurance products. So SLF is the symbol, trades in Toronto. Best retailer. This one's, uh, well, you got a tie here, it looks like. Yeah, I picked a conventional retailer, Costco, and the symbol is COST and it's uh, U.S., trades in the U.S., and Amazon. And Amazon is a little too expensive for my taste now, but here again, uh, the stock is volatile, and you often get a chance to buy uh, Amazon on pullbacks. And Amazon, obviously, the, is the king of uh, electronic commerce or e-commerce. The symbol is AMZN, does not pay a dividend, trades in the U.S., Best industrial. Now this, I had to do some thinking because, frankly, the economy is in a bit of a mess right now. And, of course, a lot of the industrial stocks, uh, they've got supply chain problems. They've got the ongoing trade issues with, with China. So a lot of them aren't doing that well at the moment. The one, I think, that will do well is a company called Xylem, X-Y-L-E-M. The symbol is XYL trades on New York. And these guys, they build water treatment plants. And if you look at the global market, the demand for clean water is growing dramatically. And these guys provide the technology and build the plants to do so. So I think it, it can be one of those companies that certainly it has its problems. But I think the demand for their products and for their engineering and construction expertise is large enough that it'll be one of the ones that is probably the least scathed if we go through a recession. 
Okay, when we get into technology, this is kind of a, a wide open playing field. There's a lot of names that pop to mind, but you chose Microsoft at the top of the list here. Yeah, the symbol MSFT. And the reason I chose Microsoft, and there's lots of great names. You could buy Facebook. Uh, you certainly could look at Google. Apple. Apple. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of names. But right now, Microsoft is one of the few companies that isn't in the doghouse. And certainly the Democrats have been talking that once they get in, one of the things they'd like to do is... Bust up some of the technology, right? Oh, yeah, break up the technology. So Microsoft seems to be the only company right now that isn't in the doghouse. And if you take a look at their their net cash position, uh, last time I looked, they had no debt. Their cash on their balance sheet was larger uh, than the borrowing. So they were net free of debt, which is amazing for a a company like that. And they are starting to pay a dividend that's been growing regularly. Best consumer stock. Uh, This is a name that everybody knows, and they are into so many different things. You know, and this is a name that uh, I've had in my own portfolio for probably 20, 25 years now. Nestle, NSRGY, and it is almost a mutual fund in food names. They are into pet food. They're into drinks. They're into ice cream and desserts. They're all across the spectrum. And because they're Swiss, they typically don't have a lot of the issues that American companies have right now, especially trading with China and some of the Eastern Bloc com- com- countries. The Swiss are looked at as being neutral, and the Swiss have done a very, very good job. I think Nestle's is represented in they have factories in three-quarters of the companies on Earth. So they manufacture locally, they hire locally, and uh, you, you very seldom see them in the headlines. They've got a very high-quality credit rating. Uh, I've owned it, and looking at the, the other companies, uh, just for disclosure, I also own Fortis, I own Royal Bank, I own TC Energy, I own Sun Life, I own Johnson & Johnson, And uh, so I'm personally represented right across the spectrum because I've got a high-quality portfolio. So these are just some of the names that I own personally. And uh, anecdotally, I have a friend whose daughter works for Nestle over in Switzerland. And uh, one of the things I wasn't aware of is how much money they make on vending machines, Ron. (laughs) When you think about airports and places like that, when you want to get a soft drink or a candy bar, it's almost always a Nestle's product that seems to come out of there. So... They, they have done an extraordinarily good job at, ex, at, at extracting themselves into virtually every opportunity. You know, you see them in grocery stores, you see them in vending machines, their products are used uh, by many uh, restaurants. So uh, they're just a good one name if you're looking for exposure to, 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 to drinks, to food, to ice cream, to chocolate. They pretty much cover it all. Okay, we talked about uh, busting up technology. We think back to when they busted up AT&T down in the States, and everybody went, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen to the phone sector? So let's look at telcos. Look what came out of that. Well, in Canada, I think the, the prices tend to be a little bit on the high side, so I picked Verizon because it's about 30% cheaper than many of the Canadian names. And uh, they tend to be viewed as the highest quality name in the U.S. They pay a good dividend of 4% plus. The symbol is Victor Zebra, or VZ, and they also trade in the U.S. 
They have a good dividend, and they regularly have been increasing it over time. Best energy company. Uh, that's, you know, maybe some people would say, well, I'm going to be on the outs sooner or later, but right now we're still using gasoline and putting natural gas in our homes. Who's got this one for you? Well, the, the way I look at the energy market is that you want to own a company that has international exposure. The politics in Canada make it very, very difficult to be profitable. And certainly Chevron of the, of the majors has the best balance sheet. They have some of the best properties. They're one of the lowest cost producers. And they have assets all over the world. And they're able to get much higher prices for their natural gas and their oil than we're able to do domestically. So, uh, and they're a company as well that is slowly taking money and investing it in green energy. And I think you give these guys 20 or 30 years, and just like TransCanada or TC Energy, I don't think you'll be able to recognize these companies in 20 to 30 years as they make the transition uh, from hydrocarbons to green energy. And I think that there's no one that understands energy better than pipeline companies and these big oil and gas companies. And they're one of the few that actually has the capital to go out and support these massive projects that are needed. So watch the, I'm buying them not for the businesses they're in, but as a transition for the businesses they're going to be in. Okay, we talked about gold on one of our recent episodes. We talked about the actual physical metal. We talked about miners. What about a best gold miner? Here again, I don't want companies that are in some remote place in South America or Africa or Asia where the government is unstable and you have continual revolutions, you have continually governments coming back and wanting to renegotiate mining contracts, that want to nationalize these companies. So I'm looking for a gold miner that essentially has a good balance sheet and has most of their properties in places where there's rule of law. And Newmont, NEM, uh, trades in the U.S., is my choice, and that's another one I also own. Okay, we've talked about REITs before, real estate, real estate investment trusts, and there's one here that I know you've liked this one for a long time. Well, Canadian apartment properties, I like it because these guys are in the sector of real estate that I don't think is going away. I mean, you take a look at the pandemic that we're going through, and frankly, office towers and shopping centers, they're in big trouble. Many places that have commercial real estate, and a lot of REITs do, are having problems. Whereas you still have to have a place for the average person to live. And since you're having people move out of downtown areas because of the density, many people are moving to places where there's a lot less density because your chances of getting COVID-19 are less. And so apartments are starting to see a bit of a renaissance. And Canadian apartment properties got properties across the country. Uh, the symbol is C-A-R as in car dot U-N and it trades on Toronto. The best conglomerate. Here's a name that we all know and love. Anybody who's paid any attention to investing over the years, Berkshire Hathaway. BRK.B. Warren Buffett is considered to be one of the best capitalists 
and investors over the last 20 or 30 years. And certainly the last couple of years, his performance hasn't been terrific. But what I like about Berkshire is that they're sitting on about $140 billion in cash. Yeah. And so when things do get cheap, or if we do have a pullback, then Berkshire certainly has the money uh, to go out, number one, and invest, and two, because they're sitting on a large cash position, it hurts their bottom line a lot less because they have more conservative assets. So with Warren Buffett at the helm, and I mean, sooner or later we're going to see a, a turnover there because, frankly, he's in his late 80s, and Charlie Munger, his buddy, is in his 90s. So these guys are, are at the end of their investment road. But I they've mean, been mentoring people, I know that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they've got a good, they've got lots of bench strength there. And I think, frankly, the opportunity to buy this might be either when Charlie Munger or Warren Buffett passes, because the stock will have a good pullback, and that might be the time to really load up on it. I've owned it for, I don't know, 15, 20 years, and it's been a very, very good investment for me. Okay, final uh, category here is media companies, and, and one that automatically jumps to mind because they are so big is Disney. And I think you were mentioning that uh, you had... Yeah, my son was having a conversation with a friend of his who is in the investment banking business, and somebody threw Disney out as a, as a stock pick, and he said, well, yeah, great company if you're prepared to sit on it, because it's going to take a while for it to come back. That's absolutely true. I mean, right now, the the problem with Disney is, you know, Disney Plus is firing on all cylinders, but uh, where they're hurting is they're hurting in their theme parks. And uh, certainly, their the revenue is down 70-80% in the last quarter. It's going to take time before this COVID is behind us, and revenue from these theme parks really starts to accelerate again. So this one, DIS, you might have to, you, I mean, right now it's it's had a really good run, so you might have to wait for this to pull back and uh, to give yourself an opportunity to buy it. But I think if you're patient for 18 months, once the virus is behind us, people are going to start coming back. I mean, theme parks are, I don't know how many times you took your kids to, to uh, Disney, but I think I took mine four times. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a great place to go. It's, well, you know, the happiest place on earth, as they call it. So uh, it's a company, and has been extremely well run over the years, too. That's the other thing we should point out here. I thought Let's Make Money.ca was the happiest place on earth. <laughs> well, yeah, Disney's a close second. There you go. <laughs> well, that's a list of just some of the sectors that uh, the financial coach, Mr. Hebert, thinks that you should be looking at. The best of the best portfolio. Uh, watch for them to pull back. When there's a pullback, maybe it's time to dip your toes in the water and start acquiring some of these companies and then put them in a drawer and just wait for them to reward you down the road. Yeah, and of course, if you've got any substitutes from my picks, add them or subtract from the ones I already have because this is a subjective list, but these companies are all high quality on this list, and that's where you should be putting the bulk of your money if you're a conservative investor in markets like these. Okay, Ron, well, we'll be back next week with another edition of Making Money. Remember, if uh, you have a question for us, you can reach us through our website, which was just acknowledged a moment ago, letsmakemoney.ca, the happiest place on earth. Or you can reach us through the cfcw.com website as well. The show is called Making Money. 
and we'd be happy to uh, take a look at your suggestions for upcoming shows or any questions that you have. We'll try to answer them for you. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for joining us. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.